Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's Perusia podcast. And I'm Shabaresh, your host, pilgrimage guide and director at Perusia. And very excited about our guest today, all the way from California, United States, founder of the Maja Center and dedicating their work to faith and science uh, and the relationship between the two and looking at the whole um, scientific background about the universe, where we've come from, our origins, um, many, many other things, modules, teachings, you name it. Um, his name is Father Robert Spitzer. He joins me live now. Hello, Father. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Charbel. And how about yourself? Yeah, being very blessed. Uh, it's been such an amazing journey. This pilgrimage um, now in 107 countries. I just, I still am pinching myself. And thanks be to God, it's it's reaching so many souls. Um, so yeah, been been uh, been very amazed. <laughs> <laughs> how have you been? Well, I've been fine too. I'm similarly amazed by all the graces that are happening, happening despite the COVID crisis. And so. Uh, we're um, we're doing very well ourselves and uh, getting the word out, and um, so it's just a privilege to be with you today, and to, of course, talk about one of my favorite subjects, Our Lady, and of course, the the Rosary. Now, it's it's great to have you on because you are known for your teachings on science, matters of science, and um, origins of the universe, and and things like that nature. Can you tell us a bit about? Uh, the Marja Center, what, um, why you started it, and I guess uh, some of the work that you're doing there? Yeah, we've got a crisis going on, not just in the United States, but throughout the entire world, where um, actually the number of unbelievers is rising um, hugely. And um, in the United States, uh, for example, we are uh, 42% um, uh, of our kids uh, currently, who are between the ages of, well, actually 11, all the way up to 30, will very likely become unbelievers uh, in years, uh, and not just abandon their, their uh, practice in the Catholic Church, but uh, abandon their faith in God. So it's um, um, it's really a huge crisis, really a, a huge concern, and uh, the 50% of those kids, 50% of that 42% will do so uh, simply because they um, they think there's no evidence for God from science, or they think there's a contradiction between God and science. And so we set up the Maja Center to show that precisely the opposite is the case. There is more evidence today from science than ever before. We have the Board of Lincoln and Guth proof. We have the entropy evidence. We have the fine-tuning coincidences. I mean, they're, they're just a huge amount of evidence from science. We have new philosophical proofs of the existence of God that complement the scientific evidence. Now we have so much good evidence for near death from near-death experiences, good peer-reviewed medical studies of near-death experiences that show the, the high, high likelihood of uh, you have a transphysical soul that's going to survive bodily death and go to a heavenly realm. We've got tremendous scientific validation, too, of the Shroud of Turin and the uh, the the evidence of a resurrection of six to eight billion watts of light energy emerging from that body. We've got tremendous evidence from contemporary scientifically validated miracles for the Catholic Church. It, really, this, this is a great time to be alive. And so we're just scratching our heads. How in the world are people coming up with the conclusion that uh, science and faith are contradictory? Nothing could be further from the truth. Science is pointing to faith every day. Not just faith in God, though certainly that, not just faith in the soul and the immortality of the soul, the, the, the you know, the, the capacity for the body to survive bodily death or the soul to survive bodily death, but also we've got evidence for Jesus, evidence for the church, evidence even for our blessed mother who we'll be discussing today. I mean, some of those scientifically validated miracles from Lourdes, the Guadalupe image, uh, the, the the new Eucharistic miracles and Sekolka, Poland, Tixla, Mexico, and uh, Buenos Aires, Argentina. Uh, I mean, they're just, the scientific validation is enormous. And so it's really worth doing. And we're, our whole effort is to get the word out there. We want to get it into classrooms. We want to get it over media like yourself, uh, Charbel, uh, Perusia Media, and uh, a variety of other places. So that's that's our mission. And, and uh, you know, go to majacenter.com or crediblecatholic.com, and you can read all about it. Everything's free of charge. 
That is so amazing. Um, thank you so much for doing what you're doing. It's so critical and, and such an important task today. Um, the battle for truth, the battle for um, and, and, and good, wholesome science. And, and yeah, yeah, I love I love everything you're doing. man. Please check it out, everybody. CredibleCatholic.com or TheMargeCenter.com. Uh, everything free. That just blows my mind. That's just so good. And um and, and thank you so much for that. That's available worldwide. So anyone around the world can can absolutely. get on and learn this stuff for free. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Wow. You now you did touch, now you've got my attention, Father. You said just then you could prove there's evidence for Mary. Um that's that's quite interesting. And maybe that can dovetail into the rosary, but Mary, that might be a nice place to start. Uh what type of evidence are we talking about that we know that Mary existed? And for, for and this might help any anyone out there that's in the secular realm that don't believe in any of, of what's coming from the Bible. Oh, yeah. Well, first of all, I mean, this image of Guadalupe um, in uh, Mexico uh, is quite remarkable. Just to give a few details. First of all, that cloth, uh, normally the, the, uh, the chemical makeup of the cloth, which is basically cactus fibers that are in a crude weave, uh, normally lasts about 30 years. At the outside, maybe 40 years before it disintegrates completely because it just doesn't have the molecular framework to stand up to the course of time. This cactus fiber tilma, right? The tilma is a little, uh, you know, cloth in the front, you know, to protect you know, the Indian peoples uh, from uh, the wind, you know, this took take place in 1530. This cloth has been around nearly 500 years and it has suffered no discernible uh, decomposition uh, at all. And so, I mean, that's a stunner. I mean, it's basically got about 470 to 460 years of endurance that no one can explain let alone absence of decomposition when the thing should fall apart completely after 40 years. It's just inexplicable. Number two, um, you know, the, the actual uh, color on the, the Tillman itself, which is an image of Our Lady. If you, if people, your readers don't know about Our Lady of Guadalupe, just put in Guadalupe, Our Lady of Guadalupe into your Google and you will see all kinds of images. And uh, there she is. And there's uh, the color um, there is not in any known natural pigment, none. Now, here's the problem with this image appearing in 1530. There were no synthetic pigments in 1530. So now we got a real problem. Uh, How in the world can you explain the color on that image? By the way, there's no brush strokes at all. There's no underlying sketch. It's just like it just got imprinted on there like by some machine or something. That's the only way I can, can possibly imagine how it happened by no known natural pigment. And, of course, synthetic pigments were not available. So that's another uh, bizarre thing. Uh, Third thing is uh, every kind of paint decomposes over the course of time. And so, you know, there were some uh, little images added around little angels uh, that were underneath the feet of Mary were added. Some rays coming out of her were added by um, uh, paint at the time. All of that paint is flaking. It's decomposing, right? You can clearly see it not on the actual image of Our Lady that was on the tilma when Juan Diego brought it into Bishop Zumaranga. That image has no decomposition, noticeable decomposition of any kind whatsoever. And that's another bizarre finding. But here's the real kicker. All you got to do is blow the image up in Our Lady's eyes, right? So she, it's a kind of an image where she's looking out at you. And um, actually, um, uh, that image was there looking out at Bishop Zumaranga. So Juan Diego, this Indian um, uh, who, uh, you know, gets the apparition from Our Lady, he brings in a bunch of Castilian roses in his tilma as he drops the tilma and the roses fall out onto the ground in front of the bishop and his retinue. What happens? They see this image of Our Lady on the tilma. So they're all just looking at him in stupefied wonder. Now, if you blow up that image a good, you know, 5,000 times, then use computer analysis to eliminate the noise, right? So you can eliminate uh, any regularly composed noise. So things that would happen from fiber, uh, you know, matrices and so forth and so on. You eliminate all that stuff. And what do you see? 
you see a reverse, just like you know, you would looking in a mirror almost. You would, uh, you know, you see the 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 image of Bishop Zumarong and his whole retinue just standing there. You can see it very clearly. You know, he's got a beard. You can tell what his hair looks like. You can see the the the, the Indian uh, retinue in the back. You know, who are obviously servants or or people who are scribes, things of that nature. You can just see it very clearly. And here's the the real kicker. Um, in addition to seeing this, I mean, this is like blown up. 5,000 times. So there's a lot of, you know, expansion here. And how in the world this is present, who knows, you know, because they didn't have any kind of technology that could produce an image of that fine quality, um, you know, so minusculely, literally right into the pupil, going right into the, the into the retina there of the eye. And then you look at it and, and, uh, and you, you can see um, in, in this reflection, two interesting things. First, it follows the curvature of the cornea. I mean, who knew about the cornea in 1530, but it follows it exactly. And there's a, an effect called the samson Purkinje effect. There's a triple reflection, uh, you know, that's, that's manifest in the cornea and retina, uh, which is called the samson Purkinje effect. It's there, right there in the eye. Now, all I can tell you is this image, no way could have ever been produced in 1530, let alone today. We cannot produce it. We don't have the technology to produce it. Yet there it is. It's right on this image. They tried to blow it up a couple of times. Never worked, right? The, the image just keeps on staying there on this cloth that should have decomposed 470 years ago. Just saying. That's just one instance. I mean, there are so wow. many other the miracles of Lourdes. If you just go onto our website and, you know, just click on, you know, 20 uh, uh, contemporary scientifically validated miracles, the, the miracle of John Trainer of Gabriel Gargan, Marie Bailey. I mean, the one of Marie Bailey is absolutely fantastic, right? You know, here you got a Nobel Prize winner who's the actual uh, witness to this uh, fellow by the name of Dr. Alexis Carroll. So he just happens to be going over to Lourdes. He's a complete agnostic, borderline atheist, right? He, he decides to help a friend who asks him to go over to Lourdes on this train. So he got, gets on the train, and what does he notice? This, this lady, Marie Bailey, she's in her uh, early 20s, and she has an ex a very distended abdomen, right? And she's got hard masses uh, on her abdomen, and her, her abdomen is filled up with fluid because uh, you know, she has basically peritonitis uh, that comes from, you know, extended uh, tuberculosis without uh, treatment. So, you know, she's, he gets on the train, he looks at this lady and he goes, oh my gosh, you know, you're going to die, you know. And, uh, and indeed, she was in the process of dying on the train. So they were trying to keep her alive on the train. They land in Lourdes, and she's still alive, barely alive. When they get to Lourdes in the, the landing there, they rush her up to the baths and uh, uh, at Lourdes, which, by the way, the, for people who don't know, Lourdes has got the, uh, this miraculous water, and it was an appearance of Our Lady uh, to uh, Bernadette Subaru, um, you know, um, just, uh, you know, in the, in the 1800s, but uh, we'll quickly uh, move to the fact that they took the water. And here is this fellow, Alexis Carroll. He's taking notes and they pour the water first on her abdomen and she screams in pain. They pour it the second time and the abdomen visibly starts being reduced, right? The distension and hard masses are gone. They pour it the third time and there is no hard masses. The liquid is gone. Where did it go? Who knows where it went? This woman literally gets up. She is cured, instantaneously cured. And by the way, that cure lasted oh, well into her 60s. She became a sister, and um, by the way, in a rather ascetical order, and uh, and uh, lived a, a remarkably productive life. But, um, okay, the, this upstart is Alexis Carroll. He doesn't say a miracle happened. All he says is, I, I can't tell you how this can be explained by natural causation. So I'm open to the possibility of a miracle in the absence of any known natural causation. That, that's a pretty moderate statement. Okay, he's teaching at the medical school of Lyon. And what happens? They boot him out for basically attesting to a miracle. Wow. So of course, yeah, um, the, the Rockefeller Institute in New York City says, "Hey, we'll take you. Uh, you're a young enough, but and, and you know, budding uh, uh, upcoming uh, guy. You know, uh, we'll take you in." 
So he wins a Nobel Prize at the Rockefeller Institute for inventing the technique that's now used today for vascular surgery. I kid you not. So the, the, the medical school of Lyon literally booted this Nobel Prize winner out of their midst, you know, because of their prejudices against uh, Our Lady and, and, and miracles themselves. I think it's just, uh, it's hilarious. Phenomenal. I mean, only, who could do this with the, the completely secularized institute? So much there. Um, my goodness, um, my mind is blown right now. <laughs> just, I mean, Our Lady of Guadalupe alone, you just, you just uh, punched out four points that are just yeah. mind-blowing to um and uh, I think I encourage everyone to research more about that that apparition, Our Lady of um, Guadalupe, um, mm-hmm. and then Lords as well. I've personally been there myself, and I can attest it's a special place. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, just the, just the uh, where the water oh. has the fount, where the water has come. It's just that alone, how it's still flowing today. People are yeah. drinking from it, bathing in it, um, and the healings. I, I couldn't help notice the building in Lords, um, not 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 filing cabinet, not not. Uh, little drawer of miracle cases, but a building dedicated yeah. to all these healings over the last 150 years. Phenomenal. Oh, yeah. It's the Lord's uh, International Medical Bureau. It's uh, unbelievable. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> really, the, the, the scrutiny, the scientific and medical scrutiny that these miracles undergo. I mean, I, I, I shouldn't give you another one, but I, I just got this yeah. one. Of, Why uh, not? <laughs> You're the scientist, and this is what's uh, interesting about uh, miracles. <laughs> Oh yeah. So, so by the way, the Maja Center and you know has an article there. So does Credible Catholic. Oh, excellent. Take a look at it. But anyway, uh, so John Trainer, here's this guy. He's in World War One. He's he's uh, in the Gallipoli, uh, Gallipoli uh, campaign, and you know he gets machine gunned basically, and you know it just completely atrophies his left arm. He gets a a, a huge. Uh, a bullet hole right kind of in the forehead here and they couldn't really do anything post-operatively so they they, they had to sort of stick a metal plate over it uh, so, you know, because it penetrated through to the brain you could through this hole in his skull and and of course the, the, he was practically paralyzed uh, in a wheelchair i mean he could barely move and it, all the muscles in his legs of course had atrophied uh, themselves so you've got this withered arm atrophied legs right a bullet hole in in the center and of course completely constantly going through uh, you know the equivalent of epileptic fits you know day in and day out so they take him over to Lourdes. And, and the reason I like this is because Mary combines up with the Holy Eucharist in this one. And uh, so a, a trainer spends his last penny to get to Lourdes. The bishop tries to talk to him and says, John, you're going to die. Don't do it. He gets on the, the train, complete faith. Everything's going to be all right, Bishop. Don't worry about me. So, of course, he gets over to Lourdes and nearly does die. Same as Marie Bailey. They bring him up to the baths. They put him in the baths. No result. And so, of course, they go, well, that's it for John Trainer. So they, they put him back in, on the litter and they put him on the cart and, you know, how they wheel him over to the hospice houses. And they were wheeling him over uh, to the hospice house. And lo and behold, uh, a Eucharistic procession is passing by. And the bishop who is leading the Eucharistic procession looks at John Trainer and gives him, he's dying. So they, he gives him a big Eucharistic blessing. I am not kidding you. Within about three seconds, John Trainer, in the process of dying, he's never he hasn't stood up in in over a year. You know, he's, he's his muscles are completely atrophied. Gets right out of his cart. Uh, he gets up and he's just like his arm is being in the process of unwithering and literally uh, reconstituting itself. Uh, and he goes, you know, uh, gosh. You know, I feel great. So what does he do? He runs back down to the grotto to kneel in front of the grotto to give Our Lady, uh, you know, uh, praise and thanks for this cure uh, that he gets. And, of course, as he's kneeling there, he is so oblivious to the fact that, uh, John, you cannot do this. There's no natural explanation for this. Um, and, of course, people are just rushing to this. And, by the way, a movie's going to be made about this, uh, uh, John Trainer. But, uh, anyway, it's this remarkable thing. He's riding back on, on the train, and uh, he becomes sort of this great celebrity uh, in London overnight uh, because, uh, you know, it's just completely inexplicable how this happened. I mean, he lived – he took on 
you know, formerly, right, his arm was shot up to the point where there's just no muscle really left in the arm. He gets all of this back. And what does he do for the rest of his life? He's hauling coal. That's a tough job, you know, really heavy work doing all this stuff. Um, And, uh, um, uh, you know, at the end, you you look at it and you go, well, how can this be explained naturally? It cannot be. And the Lourdes Medical Commission, this big building that you were uh, just talking about that houses this, and the Lourdes Medical Commission itself, uh, the the, the doctors and scientists that are on it, this is a you know just one of the ones that's that's remarkably uh, present and there's a picture of John Trainer there etc. So um, but Gabriel is another one. Just so many and Fatima miracles galore. Thank you. I mean, and this is this, we could literally spend our life uh, showcasing just miracles. And this is what oh, yeah. good get should get people's attention here. Um, we are not talking about just made up stories we've got we've got actual evidence of of these cases that have really happened with scientific uh, uh reports uh, showing that there's no scientific explanation of how these could occur and, and oh, yeah. so it's raised before and after uh you know biochemical tests before and after uh, photographs before and answer wow. and you look at that and you go you know these you have to have at least four scientists or doctors uh, that are going to attest to it. And the Lord's Medical Commission, oftentimes six or seven that have to attest that there's no known natural explanation, even psychosomatic explanation. And, and truly, uh, these things are, you know, defy physics, defy biochemistry. Wow. Now, that, thank you for sharing all that because that sets the stage. With that in mind, these miracles happening, we know... Uh, our lady has appeared. She does have a message as to why this happens. And there's a common thread, Fatima, Lords, p- praying, conversion of sinners, coming back to our, the church. But this idea of the rosary, praying the rosaries is common um, uh, request. Yes. What, can, can you uh, speak to that? Uh, what, I mean, what, what is so significant about this rosary that she keeps saying the pray every day? Well, I find it you know, particularly beneficial myself. I mean, sometimes, you know, stuff just goes wrong. And, you know, in the ordinary course of life, we need a motherly consolation. And uh, I I can just, uh, I can tell you so many stories, but I won't. What I'll just go on to say is sometimes, even if you're praying the rosary, and you take out that rosary, and you're just kind of praying it, and, and you can barely concentrate on anything. You can't concentrate on the meditations. You just can't concentrate, you know, even on the prayers themselves. And you're, you're sort of sitting back and, and going, you know, ah, I, I'm out of it. Well, all I can tell you is take that little rosary and just keep praying it. Just try to focus a little bit on the on the name of Mary or on, you know, when you're doing your glory be to the Father, to the Son, when you're doing the Our Father, on focusing on either the divine name or the name of Mary and just keep, you know, who are you talking to? Who are you praying to? And even if you can't think of one other thing, just keep going on that rosary and just keep focusing on the name of Mary, you know, who you're praying to, the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, who you're praying to. And you'll notice that by the time you start getting to that third decade, that fourth decade, even if you can't concentrate, you are getting what I call infused peace. And it's not just peace, peace in the sense of, you know, the foreboding goes away. It's just like somebody cares about me. Everything's going to be okay. And that motherly sensibility that's inbuilt into the rosary, the one who cares about you, you know, even though, you know, I've, when I was younger, I was not the best of people. And even today, I'm not the best of people, right? I'm always doing something, you know, that, that's, that's miserable in my life. But, uh, but the main thing I, I have to tell you is when you, st- when you pray that rosary, even if you can't concentrate, even if you thought things are going awry, you'll notice a peace starting to kind of come into play. My thought is take the peace. Pray the rosary through. Give thanks to Our Lady for her motherly care that she's here with you. She is here with you. She does love you. And, and, you know, don't talk yourself out. Well, I'm a rat. Nobody can love me. 
you know, don't say that. I am a rat and she still loves me. And I can attest to that on a daily basis. You know, I'm not the most sensitive guy in the world. I'm not the most patient guy in the world, but I still, she's there. She loves me. And, and so that's the first thing, you know, if you want consolation, if you just can't even concentrate, you're so panicked out, just keep saying those Hail Marys. I remember once, you know, um, my father, who was not a, uh, a, a Catholic, my mother was a daily communicant Catholic, but my, my dad once recounted, you know, that you know, during the war, you know, a lot of people, you know, they were maybe crossing a river that was very dangerous. People were shooting at them. What prayer, not just did the Catholics pray, the Catholics started praying the Hail Mary, but of course, what's going on? Of course, everybody starts joining in. Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Because they're just, you're freaking out. And what's happening? You're getting this peace. Even if you're kind of, you don't really, you haven't prayed to Mary before. You know, he said, you know, there was a peace. And, And that's an interesting thing that the mother of God should not just, you know, give peace to the the Catholics or to the fervently, uh, you know, prayerful type person, but would give peace to people of every denomination who just wanted some peace from their mother, from their universal mother, from their salvific mother. And she did. And so um, anyway, that's the first benefit for praying the rosary, but you can go a lot deeper than that and uh, be happy to do that too. But uh, but boy, I'll tell you, the the peace factor is really amazing. That's so so true. I I can't tell you how many times, just through this pilgrimage alone, the amount of people that said praying this rosary has given them so much peace. let, maybe we, what we can do is break this down. Like you mentioned that the physical beads, I'm holding mine in my hand and you have yours there. And so there's something about the physical touch with your fingers. There's yeah. also something about um, vocalizing the words. So that you've got the Our Fathers and Hail Marys and mm-hmm. repeating them, this repet- repetition um, that we go over and over. And then there's the aspect of meditating. Can you, I mean, th- there's a few things going on here. And, and so, um, the significance of all that, the saying of one prayer, but thinking of the life of Christ. Can you tell us about that combination there and uh, why that is so effective? Yeah. So let's suppose you're not panicking or let's suppose, you know, that you're not just coming to the rosary because you just need to connect with Our Lady or connect with the Lord, uh, you know, through this wonderful devotion. But let's suppose you really have some, you know, uh, peace of mind already, composure, you're going to prayer. You know, why, why pray the rosary? You, you could pray your uh, divine office and so forth, and I do both, you know. But uh, the, the main thing, though, is uh, why would you pray the rosary? Well, there's two ways to pray the rosary. Uh, the first is a kind of meditative way, and that's what you're talking about there. And the second is a contemplative way. And uh, let's go through the meditative way first, because that is uh, quite normal. And um, as many of you know, this meditative way goes all the way back, really, to the ninth century. And so um, even before St. Dominic, uh, the, the, the desert fathers and the monks, uh, you know, the Syriac monks that were coming out of the desert, uh, these guys, you know, had notched rosaries. They didn't have beads, really, per se, but they had rope that had uh, notches on it. And they had a version of the Hail Mary that uh, was not our complete version today, but they had a pretty good version of the first part of the Hail Mary. And they would, uh, you know, think about, uh, you know, various uh, dimensions of the life of our Lord. And so by the time it gets to Dominic in the 1200s, what winds up happening is that Dominic, you know, he has this vision of Our Lady of the Rosary, and she gives him, you know, uh, uh, not just, uh, you know, the the, the rosary as a a main prayer form, but, you know, these meditations. So what meditations? Uh, uh, One of them is called the Joyful Mysteries. Uh, The second one is called the Sorrowful Mysteries. The third one is the Glorious Mysteries. And then Pope John Paul II added a fourth set, which was called the Luminous Mysteries, which was really about the life and ministry of Christ. So the joyful mysteries, uh, they begin with the Annunciation, then the Visitation, then the birth of Jesus. So you'll notice that all these things are happening, right? They're the kind of the infancy uh, uh, narratives. And then, uh, you know, um, the presentation of 
of uh, the child Jesus, uh, you know, to, in, at the temple with Our Lady, and the finding of Jesus, uh, you know, after the, uh, you know, after he remained in Jerusalem. So these uh, five mysteries are kind of the joyful mysteries, and they really hit the uh, the infancy uh, of Jesus, the childhood of Jesus, and then you know there was kind of a gap there, and then it went to the sorrowful mysteries. That was the one that you know Saint Dominic as well had given. And the sorrowful mysteries go through uh, Jesus's passion and, and crucifixion. So, so beginning with the agony in the garden, and then the scourging at the pillar, then the crowning with thorns, then the way of the cross the, where Jesus carried the cross, and then finally the crucifixion itself. And then you go to uh, the glorious mystery. So it zooms, uh, you know, after the, the sorrowful mysteries, it goes to the uh, glorious mysteries, which are really about, you know, the resurrection, post-resurrection uh, mysteries. So one of them, of course, is the resurrection, as you might have figured. The second is uh, the assumption. The third is the great gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, and then, of course, the, the uh, last two concern Our Lady, uh, you know, and the first one is her assumption into heaven by declaration of church doctrine. And then finally, uh, her coronation as Queen of Heaven, uh, basically her glorification uh, through and with her son, uh, you know, in the kingdom of heaven. So these are the, the traditional ones. But then Pope John Paul uh, II said, well, look, you know, we have uh, uh, these additional five mysteries, um, you know, which, uh, you know, are about our Lord's ministry. And they're really important too, right? So beginning with the baptism of Jesus, which is the you know, sort of the formal official beginning of his ministry, and then the wedding feast at Cana, which is like his first miracle, and it's a remarkable miracle, which involves Mary, uh, his mother, but also, you know, that Jesus takes into consideration these you know, various uh, dimensions of, of um, you know, his mother's request, that the social needs. It's Yes, most of the time Jesus heals people, exercises demons, and raises the dead, but he also has these other wonderful miracles, too, that, that correspond to what people's needs are. Then the third one, of course, is the preaching of the kingdom of God. That's the central message of Jesus. The kingdom of God has arrived. Well, how is it arriving? In me, says Jesus, right? It's coming uh, in, into the kingdom of God. I am the kingdom of God. I am the son of God who brings his God's very heavenly kingdom into your midst right now. And then, of course, it goes on to the transfiguration, which is the revelation of Jesus' glory that's going to be fully revealed at his resurrection and showing the eschatological significance of the crucifixion itself before it happens. And then finally, of course, the Holy Eucharist, this is the big miracle for Catholics because the Holy Eucharist is at the center of our lives and uh, the Last Supper. So that basically these are the mysteries. Now, the point, of course, of you go, well, wait a minute, you're, you're praying these Hail Marys. How in the world are you supposed to concentrate on these various biblical or scriptural scenes? And, and the answer is it takes a little practice. So the best thing for um, uh, listeners to do is if you are not familiar or don't have any practice meditating on these mysteries, the best thing to do is get a nice little booklet um, that has uh, the 20 mysteries of the rosary. And what you want to do is you want to um, maybe get one that has some illustrations. That's very good. Then so, one that has some scripture passages as well. So you can actually get into the areas of scripture that concern the uh, various um, mysteries. And, and then, you know, there's a little prayer at the end. And so, you, you know, it kind of gives you a little context uh, to, to, to do these uh, mysteries. But then after a while, what winds up happening is you kind of get used to the mysteries, right? And as you get used to them, um, and you, you sort of got the scripture passages in your head, you've got these illustrations that you're sort of thinking about from your little rosary book there, it really begins to come alive. As you're just praying those, the Hail Marys, don't so much concentrate on the words. Shift your focus from the words in the Hail Mary, right? And, and just begin to reflect on that little image uh, in, from your rosary book, you know, that little uh, illustration. Just kind of think about that or think just for a second, what's going on there? You know, who's in the scene, but just, uh, you know, taking a look. So, for example, if you're doing the wedding feast at Cana, you can just sort of, as you're praying with an undercurrent, you know, uh, going through the Hail Marys, 
you can just begin to see this big feast that's taking place and the mother of Jesus saying, oh, you know, they've run out of wine, you know, which of course is a big faux pas uh, in, in uh, uh, you know, first century Jewish society. And this obviously was a well-to-do uh, couple having a good wedding feast and so forth. They even have servants there to help. And, and of course they've run out of wine. And what does she do? She says, uh, well, you know, talk to my son, he'll help. And of course, you know, Jesus is saying, Mom, my time has not yet come. You know, don't want, don't want to do it quite yet. You know, not quite time for my first miracle. And she just says, oh, do what he tells you. But you can just automatically see how she's got that motherly uh, appeal. And, uh, and, and it works. And so I keep thinking to myself, hey, if, uh, when I really need things, I keep praying the Hail Mary uh, for my prayers and petition because I say, Mary, just knock on your son's door there, just like you did at the wedding feast of Cana. Because, you know, he goes, okay, you know, what he does, this miracle. And, uh, and basically, you just, what you want to do is just sort of think you know, conceive of that scene as best you can. Don't take your focus off the prayer, the words in the prayer, because it, it'll it'll be second nature to you. But just sort of imagine what it's like being there and watching all this happening as you're sort of uh, praying through that meditation. And that's that's what I would do. And each of these twenty mysteries, all each of them has a certain kind of significance for the whole order of salvation. And so, you know, I always, you know, at the end of a decade. Just inside my, um, you know, head, I always just say thank you for this dimension of redemption. Thank you for, you know, even the the moment where Mary is doing the visitation. You know, it's it's everything's initiating. You know that in the joyful mysteries, it's the initiation of salvation. Uh, you know, and and uh, and then finally, of course, the the ministry of Jesus and the luminous. Then the great salvific act, the sorrowful mysteries, which are always powerful. And for mm. me, very central, uh, you know, when it comes to the rosary, the sorrowful mysteries are still for me. Uh, I know that they're the most impactful for sure. And, uh, and then the glorious mysteries, which are great. I mean, I, I'm, I know what I'm doing. I'm praying the sorrowful mysteries already looking toward the glorious mysteries, knowing that all of this is going to be redeemed, yet at the same time thanking Jesus. Because if you want the prayer of gratitude to be flowing out of you, it's really when you're praying through those mysteries. Here he is in agony in the garden. Then he's getting flogged at this pillar, you know, 120 times almost. And then you... you, you him getting crowned with these barbarous thorns across the top of his head, the side of his head, around his head. You know, it's just a t terrible thing. And you're going through it. You just thank him because every bit of it is constituting an unconditional act of love, which is going to redeem the world. And so that's, that's the power of the meditative dimension uh, of the rosary. And because it just says, thank you, thank you, thank you. And what's the deal in prayer? Thanksgiving says you're really saying to God when you say, thank you, dear Lord, thank you for all of this. Thank you for giving this to me. It, it, it has so much significance. The first thing is it's saying, thank you for the blessing. But what you're acknowledging is I've been blessed. What you're acknowledging is God loved me and the whole world enough to bless us with this ultimate and, and unconditional gift of self. He, he, he loved us this way. And so it's just the, the huge thankful is a, a thanksgiving that you're making to the Lord as you're praying through these mysteries is saying to thank you for your blessing, dear Lord, which is really like saying, I know you love me. I know you love us. And I love you too. And that's the whole point. Because when you give God thanks for the mysteries that are, have saved us and all the things he went through to save us in his life, even the glorification, which is saving us and helping us and glorifying us in our future, right? All these things are like, I know you love me. That's what you're saying when you say thank you. Uh, yes. when you I know you love me. And, you know, I love you, too. And if you're doing that, that's all you got to do is, is, is you're going through those mysteries. Don't forget to say thank you. I know you've blessed me. I know you love me. I love you too. If you keep doing that, this rosary, that med those meditations 
will become very deep and very powerful. So anyway, that's the main way of, for me of praying the meditative form uh, of the Fantastic. Thank you. And, and uh, you mentioned about the booklet. We've, we've made sure we prepared a free download booklet for people. I've, got, I've printed it off from over here, but we've actually got every single mystery uh, and also 10 different uh, scriptural verses um, straight out of scripture on that mystery. So there's one for every Hail Mary and it's a scriptural rosary. And what you can do is reference it from the Bible. And it really does come alive uh, after you do it a few times. Um, yeah. I found yeah, little techniques like St. Ignatius of Loyola, for example, would That's say right. enter yeah. into the scene. And ever since doing the, the spiritual exercise of St. Ignatius, I, uh, that's radically transformed my rosary meditations. And could you uh, maybe explain a bit about that for those who don't know? As a Jesuit, you may yeah, yeah. be very familiar with the uh, exercises. One of my favorite guys. Saint Ignatius of Loyola. He had a wonderful technique. And uh, normally, uh, you know, if you do this a little bit ahead of time, so mm. if you know you're going to pray the sorrowful mysteries, maybe just kind of reflect a little bit ahead of time. What uh, Ignatius said is the first thing to do is um, when you're praying, you know, with scripture is you, you try to enter into the sea. And so he, he's very, you know, almost sensorial, tactile person. Right. So he says, OK, the first thing to do is just what's what's the environment like out there? You know, is it hot? You know, is it, uh, uh, you know, midday? What is it? You know, and and you're there on the scene. So pick a place for yourself somewhere in the scene. Maybe you're just some bystander uh, in the scene, or maybe you're not. Maybe you're one of the apostles uh, in the scene, but you pick a place where you're kind of uh, um, uh, in there witnessing things, seeing things, and he goes, just get the whole ambiance. That's the first thing to do. The second thing to do is who's there in the scene? Of course, Jesus is in the scene. Who else is in the scene uh, besides Jesus? Oh, there's John the Apostle. There's, there's James the Apostle. There's one of these other uh, fellows. So he says, you know, just get a sense of who's there, what's going on, and so forth. The third thing to do is to look, first of all, before you, you almost look at Jesus and what's, what he's doing, how are these, um, let's suppose James and John are in the scene, or Peter's in the scene. How is Peter reacting to what Jesus is doing? Or if Jesus is doing a miracle, how's, you know, uh, 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 Bartimaeus, uh, the son of Timaeus, the blind man, how's he, how's he reacting? What's going on? He's jumping up and down. He's really happy and so forth, you know. And uh, Jesus kind of is saying, okay, Bartimaeus, uh, you know, what can I do for you? And he goes, Rabbi, I want to see, you know, I mean, he, but he trusts him. So Ignatius says, now just look at the trust that he's got. You're looking up at Jesus. He he wants to, uh, you know, to see. And, and he's calling out by Jesus's, you know, by using an ancient name, son of David, have pity on me. You know, so Ignatius says, now recognize uh, what's going on there? He, he doesn't know any better. Doesn't know he's the Messiah. He's just heard about Jesus like this rabbi, right? And so he's screaming out, you know, Rabbi, son of David, have pity on me. Have mercy on me. And, of course, these guys, the apostles, what's going on with them? Oh, they're just saying, hey, you got to be quiet. You know, uh, the master's passing by and he's not interested in you. What happens? Jesus stops. And he goes, bring him to me. Apostles changed their tune. Instead of saying, you know, be quiet, you know, all of a sudden, you know, they're bringing him right on up. And, of course, uh, when Jesus uh, sees him, he says, well, what do you want to do? He goes, Rabbi, I want to see. And so Jesus says, okay, receive your sight. And when he does say this, and Bartimaeus receives his sight, he is grateful. He wants to follow him. That's the reaction. He loves him too. Bartimaeus knows it wasn't just a miracle. There's something even more. There's something about this man. There's something that I want to follow. He is not just good because he's a healer. He's good because he's good. And I, I want to be his follower. And so what Ignatius is saying is, you know, kind of pick it apart and look at how are all these people reacting? And then once you have you know, the reaction uh, of these people. Uh, then he says, okay, what was it about Jesus that got this reaction? What caused the sinful woman 
to just come and want to anoint him, you know, uh, on his feet and so forth? Or what caused, you know, this father to come up and say, please help my son, you know? And uh, Jesus says, but do you believe I can do it for him? And he goes, help my little faith, you know? And uh, what is it that, you know, in these demons, you know, that they fear him so much, you know, because he's got control over them and their father, Satan, he's, he's got control over them. He's, you know, the power of, of the man is just striking fear into these facts. So you want to recognize, says Ignatius, not just the ambiance, who's there, then after who's there, what are they thinking? How are they reacting? What's going on here? Because you can always see the love of Jesus, the power and protective love of Jesus, the, 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 the merciful love of Jesus for sinners. You can always see it in the reaction of these people who have been touched and affected. So when you kind of, you're looking through their eyes, you know, at what they're seeing in Jesus and that kind of reflective look, you know, all of a sudden you catch, well, they trust him. They, 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 you know, the evil spirits fear him. Uh, you know, they love him dearly uh, for what he's done and, and, and how good he is uh, to them. And, and so all of these things are there, but you're beginning to discover Jesus. I call him Jesus, the beloved, Jesus, the lovable one, because as he moves through, right, all these, you know, sinners are terrible, like tax collectors. Yesterday we had St. Matthew, right, and uh, and uh, as, you're, as you probably know, he was a tax collector. And, you know, the order of sinfulness, right, first there's mass murderers. And then there's tax collectors, right? These guys who are conspiring to, to, to serve and make money from mm-hmm. these occupiers of, of Israel, contrary to the, you know, to the covenant of Israel, and they're making a profit. You know, these guys are despicable guys, right? For, I mean, worse than prostitutes, worse than anything, right, for, uh, for the Jewish people. And yet, what does Jesus do yesterday? He comes right up and says, okay, Matthew, um, I would like you to be one of my apostles. Now, says Ignatius, comes up to the tax collector's booth. Can you imagine this? And he says, follow me to this tax collector. And he follows him. Well, you know how much money he just lost following him? Do you know what he gave up in terms of worldly stuff in order to follow him? What moved Matthew to follow him? There's something about that man. He's addictive. He's beloved. There's something, he's powerful, yes, but there's something about him that just says Savior, Yeshua, right? That Savior that's just emanating through the man. And so uh, Ignatius says, take note through the eyes of Matthew, you will see the love of Jesus. You will see the redemption, the forgiveness, the merciful love of Jesus. You will see the power of Jesus to protect you against evil. You'll see it all if you just look through the eyes of these people, touched by the Savior, the Beloved One. Amen. Wow. Thank you very much for, for doing that. A, a nice little sample of what St. Ignatius was talking about. I really encourage people watching and hearing this to try apply that to the next rosary. In fact, uh, just after this uh, interview, we have a live rosary that's about to happen on the same page with Robert Haddad. And um, I, I encourage everyone to um, let's apply that. Let's try try this Ignatius me- method of um, putting yourself in the scene and, and start putting those details in. And I can tell you, it's like a movie. It's like you're a 3D movie. You're inside and experiencing. Um, and, and then time, it's just time goes by so quick. Um and yeah, you actually really enjoy and enter into the rosary. It's amazing. Father, we've only got a couple of minutes left. Uh, um, just some final thoughts here and maybe words of encouragement for the pilgrims. 40,000 in 107 countries, and we've got two weeks to go. Uh, we finish on the Feast of the Holy Rosary, October 7th. And so any tips on making the most of this opportunity? I would. The first and most important thing is just stick with it day after day. And while you're sticking with it, I'm just, I would encourage you to t- just remember, I want to take with me after the pilgrimage is finished, I want to take a devotion with me into my daily life. I want Marian devotion every single solitary day because she is pointing through uh, to her son 
through her love uh, that is so manifest not only in her life, but so manifest in us as we pray the rosary. There's something that just unlocks the door to our heart when she is there helping us. And so I would just say, oh, even if it, you say, well, I can't pray, uh, you know, the whole rosary every day. Okay, uh, pray one decade uh, every day. But whatever you do, take some daily Marian devotion with you. And let that be kind of a an opening salvo, if I can put it that way, an opening way of getting your um, prayer life kind of contemplatively linked to our Lord, right? And so it, it, then when you do your other prayers, maybe they're prayers of petition, maybe they're prayers of thanks for what's going on, maybe they're prayers of need for something that's going on in your life right now. But whatever the kind of conversational prayer that might be coming, you know, um, Please bring some of that Marian uh, devotion to it because she just unlocks uh, our hearts uh, to the belovedness of her son, unlocks our hearts to the belovedness uh, that she has for us as mother, so that we not only see our own belovedness, but the belovedness of the neighbor that is around us, and we begin to trust more and more in the Lord Jesus Christ. That, da that daily devotion to Mary just take that with you because that's going to be the gift that you get. And if it's a daily rosary you can take with you, all the better. And you can do it meditatively, contemplatively, or just concentrating on the divine names or just simply trying to pray the rosary when you're in a state of panic because it will mm -hmm. give you peace, Our Lady's peace. Amen. Thank you so much. Those beautiful words. Couldn't have said it any better. And um, if just in closing, your website, people who want to learn more about you and and uh, and the Maja Center. And can you please Absolutely. tell us that uh, website again? Okay, it's MajaCenter.com. That's Majas M-A-G-I-S Center.com, and it's spelled American Center, C-E-N-T-E-R. MajaCenter.com, and the second one is called CredibleCatholic.com. Okay, we have uh, the link right below. Please uh, check that out. Absolutely free. The modules, the courses. This is this is mind blowing. Uh, free. Please take advantage of this. Learn the scientific um, explanations of things because this is what helps our faith. And just hearing Father today, I hope that's encouraged you um, in inspiring that this what we believe in isn't just sort of fairy fairy tale stuff. Um, this is real, and and these are historical events, and we even have miracles that are happening before our very eyes. So please give it a shot. <laughs> Absolutely. So thank you very much, Father. We are out of time. Uh, um, if if I could ask for a final blessing for everyone and all the pilgrims here. I'll start with a Hail Mary and give a final blessing. Yes, please. Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And bow your heads and pray for God's blessing. And may the Lord of all consolation, the Lord uh, who brings us into the fullness of his light and love, even in the darkest moments of our lives, shine that light upon you. And through the intercession of Mary, our mother, and through uh, Jesus Christ, his son, may he give you that consolation, that sense of trust, that sense to follow, that will bring you into the fullness of your salvation and help you to help so many others to that same salvation. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.